uh, connect with somebody, text somebody, call somebody, uh, encourage somebody. Maybe you don't need it, but maybe somebody else does. And if you say, well, nobody's done me, uh, well, that sounds like my little five-year-old granddaughter. Don't say that. Grow up and build a bridge yourself. You don't, don't wait for somebody else to do it. Uh, the Bible is very clear. He that wants a friend must do what? Give friendship. Must show himself friendly and must uh, do something. And I know in this hour, uh, everybody doesn't know what to do. You know, you, uh, as I've said, and you've heard me say, uh, you know, you, uh, they, they finally, I think, uh, they realized that I was, uh, you know, having nervous breakdowns in Walmart and they took down all the direction arrows and I was thankful because I would go down an aisle and then realize I'd gone the wrong way and I got dirty looks and uh, then if I passed somebody and the other day, uh, as happened several times, something dropped on the floor out of a lady's basket she had a child and the child threw something out and I reached down to pick it up and then she looked at it like should I take it from you and I thought I said okay well here I'll just put it back on the shelf and I I, I don't know I you know and I'm just a nervous wreck that you're gonna somehow mess somebody up and make somebody feel uncomfortable and that's not our wish or job, but we are, uh, we believe we're growing apostolic legacy and we uh, appreciate the history that we have, the great history, and that we are apostolic and that hopefully we're growing, growing in knowledge, growing in grace, growing in understanding. And uh, I know we have uh, been uh, doing our uh, feeling this uh, sense of we want Lord you to uh, uh, use us bless us open the windows of heaven and here we are in the month of December next Sunday is the children's and the next Sunday it'll be past Christmas so I looked and I thought well uh, actually sister Jessica Woolard uh, asked me the other day about is there a, a Bible or is there something that has the stories in them you know because it's hard to just find the Christmas story and find some of those uh, various stories and I, I um, you know told her uh, <coughs> that um, they are um, you know it, it's hard to, to always find those because they are um, um, they are having more and more of a sense of um, they're in different gospels and then there are different verses in the Old Testament and all of these things and yet uh, most of us uh, sort of look at a crash and we think of it all happening on one night and probably it didn't all happen on one night, although it's a beautiful scene, and you can, uh, uh, you know, I've seen them made out of rocks, I've seen them made out of peanuts, I've seen them uh, made out of, all, uh, of wood and uh, uh, resin and all kinds of wonderful things, but uh, typically, uh, you know, uh, you don't 
necessarily. Uh, the wise men probably weren't there. Uh, there may have been some sheep or oxen, but probably the camels weren't in the picture. And there were angels and there were uh, all these wonderful things, but we're not sure that the angels were above the, the manger and uh, we're not sure that the manger looked like this or that the manger wasn't more of a cave. And I, I understand it, it's a, a difficult, uh, you know, to historically know exactly what all was going on. But today I, I really want to just take a few moments and it's familiar. We probably, you know, most people <clears throat> come to church around Christmas or Easter than any other time, but I do want to kind of go through and unwrap some of the Christmas story and make it more real if you would have been living 2,000 years ago and heard some of these stories. Because you see, uh, to the Jewish people or to the Hebrew children and their descendants, those living in Jerusalem at times, that time they knew their stories. They knew the stories of their prophets. They knew the stories of the Old Testament. And so that's why that when Jesus was born, his birth and his life fulfilled so many thousand prophecies of the Old Testament that it became a proof to them that indeed Jesus was the Messiah. Now we are 2,000 years removed and we look at Christianity and we say, well, we're Christians, we're not Jewish, we're Christians. And you have to understand that in reality, Jesus did not come to start Christianity. It was not his goal to destroy Judaism. He would repeatedly say that. It is, I did not come to destroy this, to destroy the law, to destroy the prophets, but I have come to expand on it. And in fact, you know, the fact that Jews still exist today is a testimony to the fact that, that they refused to follow what Jesus was trying to show them. It was not because he wanted to destroy uh, the, them and start a brand new religion and have that, but he understood that there was another path. So when we look at the Christmas story, we have to almost see it somewhat through the eyes of a Jew and through a Jewish child or a Jewish person. And so when you look at that and you begin to realize in the Old Testament, Micah, the fifth chapter, the second verse, and we've, we sing it, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And then <laughs> there's one verse, Micah, where it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou shalt be a little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So this verse, everlasting, we know 
Bethlehem was a famous city. You can go to Bethlehem today. It's under Muslim occupation. You can go there and you will see uh, as you come into the city the tomb of, of Rachel. That's where Rachel was buried, Jacob's wife. Bethlehem, this was the city, it's called the city of David because David, uh, the king, was born and raised in this city. He became known as the king of the Jews. If you go to Jerusalem, you can go to his burial place and they've got a, uh, someone erected a statue to David there, which is, uh, you know, it's an interesting phrase, king of the Jews, because that's exactly what Pilate wrote on the cross when Jesus was crucified. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Now, amazing. So whenever they heard about Bethlehem and the fact that they were sending everybody back to be taxed and they, some had to go to Bethlehem and Mary and Joseph went and that's where Jesus was born. It was not just a happenstance. It was not just luck for them. It was like this is the important city. This is the city what Micah preached about or wrote about that this was going to be the special place of the Messiah. We know David was born there. David was a great shepherd. He was uh, known as being a shepherd, a shepherd of the sheep. In fact, probably out of all of the Psalms that David wrote, probably the one that more people know that it's put on funeral bulletins, it's put everywhere, is what Psalm? 23rd Psalm. And what does it start off? The Lord is my shepherd. And I've read books and I've studied and I've looked at it and it's so full. That 23rd Psalm is an amazing Psalm because when you look at it through the eyes of a shepherd and sheep and how the Lord takes care and all of the studies that you can do. I think Philip Keller many years ago wrote a book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23 and it's just a, an amazing song talking about how the Lord cares and loves and all of those things. And yet we know shepherds played a part in the early birth and that night that Jesus was born. In fact, Luke, the second chapter, the 8th through the 11th verse says, and there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That included Jews and Gentiles. It was to everybody. The Lord had been robed in flesh, did they understand it at that moment? They heard those words. They didn't get what was going on. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the anointed one from God. And so here it was, these shepherds. Now what were they doing? Was it December the 24th? No, probably not. In fact, probably most uh, writers would say it was in the springtime. 
uh, you know, in fact, possibly around Passover. And <clears throat> because typically uh, the shepherds uh, would put the sheep uh, in a pen or whatever, they would, uh, <clears throat> and they did that a lot of times. And we, you know, you can read historically uh, through the Jewish text that the shepherds would guard the sheep when they were birthing, they were there to try to help. And there was another time that the shepherds paid close attention to the flocks and that was whenever they were getting ready for the day of a uh, Passover because when it came time to celebrate Passover and atonement, another time of the year, when you had it came time for those sheep, they had to be perfect. They had to be without blemish. They had to be without spot. And so the shepherds would guard them. They would set certain sheep upon Heart, and they would guard them to make sure no animal would come and get them. And so were these shepherds there watching, waiting because they were guarding Passover lambs or atonement lambs? Who knows? But whatever it was, they are all of a sudden the heavens were filled with the angelic host and they saw, they heard, and they witnessed that there was singing and there was majesty and they came to Bethlehem. And here it was. They, they wanted to see this, where this king was born. Now I know the crest depicts a star. And I'm not sure that the shepherd saw the star. I'm not sure the star was there. Although I think the 21st we're supposed to see a, a conflagration of planets and stars that hasn't been together for 800 years or something. I read that on one of the posts that's going to happen this year around Christmas time. And was that the thing? No, I, I believe that there was something that, was, that really happened uh, that saw the star. And I don't know if the wise men came at the same moment of the shepherds because of how long it would have taken them. But one thing that I do know is that the king of Egypt, of Pharaoh, so he was very much like David whenever the fact that he was born in Bethlehem, that he was born from the city of David, and that he was of the lineage of David. <clears throat> he was also a very much, a, 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 a very sense of, he was born, he was like a birth of Moses. His birth evoked thoughts of Moses' birth. Because you remember Moses was born in Egypt and he was rescued by his sister uh, Miriam and the mother who built um, uh, an ark of bulrushes. Of course, those of you who uh, understand names and uh, you know the, how names derive, uh, for instance, uh, in our language, uh, John is the same name as Janus, which is the same name as Sheena, which is the same name as Siobhan, go on and on and on. They're all derivatives of John. They're all derivatives of th this uh, same word, and yet they sound very different. Miriam is of the same, if you look it up in Hebrew, is of the same derivative as Mary. So isn't it amazing that Miriam saved Moses and Mary gives birth to Jesus and so in Pharaoh, that king, he, it was important birth he knew was about to take place and Pharaoh orders midwives to kill 
uh, all of the Hebrew babies. It's found in Exodus, the first chapter. The king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the other Pua. And he said, Why ye, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, kill him. And if it be a daughter, then shall he live. And it says, but the midwives feared God. What's amazing about this whole story in the Old Testament and the Jews then and today, a very famous name for Jewish girls as either uh, Shifra or Pua. And we, we know that probably they were Egyptian women. They were probably not Hebrew women, but they were Egyptian women who were the midwives of the Hebrews. The reason why we know that is because Pharaoh surely would not have trusted a Hebrew midwife to kill other Hebrews. So while they were midwives to the Hebrews, we're not sure that they were actually even Hebrews themselves. But they are given a name in the Old Testament. And when you read the name Pharaoh, you are never given a name of exactly who the Pharaoh was. And it's caused a lot of controversy today. And you can watch the Discovery Channel and reach all kind of conclusions. Was it this Pharaoh or was it that Pharaoh or was it this Pharaoh? Which Pharaoh was it exactly? Because uh, nobody knows exactly the name of the Pharaoh that was living that gave this order. But what we do know is that these midwives, the Bible says, feared God. They had a fear of God more than they had a fear of man. And at some point, if the Christmas story, Moses' birth, was such that they were more afraid of God than they were of man, how much more should we have that same kind of feeling? I would rather serve God than be afraid of anything else that can come my way. I understand. It's fine to be cautious. It's fine to uh, wear a mask. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about don't ever let anything stop you from praising God, from worshiping God, from magnifying God, to join an online, to doing something, to be in the presence of Almighty God. I would rather be isolated from the whole world, but never isolate me from God. And this important to fear God some people say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. God doesn't care. God doesn't look. He doesn't care whether I go to church or not. Well, Jesus cared. He looked and saw how much people gave in the offering. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> he saw a widow woman put her last two coins in. He saw how people worship. One, you know, looked around and said, I thank God I'm not like everybody else. And another one said, oh, God, be merciful. Hmm. Anyway, I'm just saying that's not part of the Christmas story. I'm just... Anyway, what's amazing that makes this story so important to the Christmas story is that the king of the Jews at that time, Herod, knew that an important birth had taken place because these wise men, and we don't know how many wise men there were, 
We don't know if there were three. We know there are three gifts, so we automatically imagine that there were three wise men. But there could have been only two wise men. There could have been four wise men. There could have been 12 wise men. It just says wise men, plural, more than one. So we know there was more than one. But there were two midwives in Egypt that feared God. And there are at least two wise men that come to Herod and they say, we've seen his star in the east. We're come to worship him. And you remember what Herod said? And Herod, when he had called them privately, the wise men, see what it says, wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So Herod starts trying to nail it down. Exactly when did this star come? And because he later kills all the children two years of age and young, uh, younger, we're, you know, what, what is he doing? It, it, what, did it appear six months ago? Did it take him a long time to come from Assyria or what used to be Babylon? And so he sent them to Bethlehem. He knew it was supposed to be Bethlehem. And he says, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Oh, I want to worship. I want to worship him like you are. Later, the Bible says in verse 12, and we'll read it again with Sister Tracy, but it says, being warned of God in a dream that, that they should not return unto Herod, they departed another way in their own country. And the key was, sorry, we jumped there too quick. I got one more slide, then we'll jump there. The key was, they feared God more than man. The two midwives feared God more than Pharaoh. These wise men feared God more than Herod. If you're going to have the Christmas story born in your life, you've got to put God on the throne. He has got to be the King and the Lord of your life. If you're more worried about what someone will say or what someone will do or what someone will, oh, they may make fun of me. They may look, they may think I, they may, they may. Let me tell you something. You don't have the Christmas story born in you yet until you realize it's more important that I have Jesus born in my heart and soul and I have a relationship with him and I can call him and talk to him. That's more important than what anybody else thinks or does. Sorry, the early wise men. Are you a wise man? Are you a midwife that's going to get named in the miraculous birth? Or are you going to be set up and, you know, I, I, and, and I understand, I know. Pastor, you're not preaching in the foreign field. You're preaching in America. And, you know, just to be candid with you, it's feeling more foreign every day. And will the American church know how it is to walk and do to get to the house of God and be and come in as I was in Singapore and preaching and there was always a group of about 10 or 12 folks and they came in and they were dancing and shouting and praising God and dancing for 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half. 
So I asked Brother Lee, I said, what's up, you know? He said, those are our folks from China. They can't do that. Oh, praising God. What a privilege it is. You know, a few months ago, I was preaching to puppets, or Muppets, or whatever it was. Huh? What a privilege it is, as Brother Nick said, to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm not, if you can't come, I get it, but what a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. What a privilege, oh Lord, don't let this stop me from having my relationship to God. Will I submit to God? So then the, the 10th and the 11th verse says, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy and they came into the house where the young child, Mary, his mother, fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened the treasures, they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And each one of those presents was very symbolic. Gold was what you offered to a king. A frankincense was what you offered to a priest because it was used in the anointing oil. And myrrh was what you offered someone when it was time to get buried. And so here it was. They offered him these precious expensive gifts for his because of his divinity his kingship because of his priestness and because of the fact that he was going to be the suffering servant and now go back sorry to this is the, the verse 12 13 and 14 being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed in their own country another way and when they had departed behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And he shall be there until I give thee word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed unto Egypt. And this was until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. That whole trip to Egypt recorded in the gospels was recorded just because of the fact that number one, Moses was delivered out of Egypt. But even before that, Abraham's son, Isaac, there had been the deliverance for them from Egypt when they had gone to Egypt that they had delivered Sarah. So there were so many similarities that Egypt became this place of deliverance that they knew that whenever they heard that Jesus, where's Jesus now? Obviously, they, I don't know if they had a home, if they had a place that they lived. We know he was born in Bethlehem. The family was originally from Nazareth. And so here it is now. But when they heard these stories, they knew, oh, wow, this is the guy that was born and had to flee Herod. He had to get an escape from Herod. What are you saying? I, I, I am here to tell you, I, the wise men, we don't know what their relationship with God was. We don't know what, but they were able to hear from God. If you want to hear from God in this hour you can hear from God 
If you want to have the Lord born in your life and you say, Lord, I need you to help. Give me direction for school. Give me direction on a child. Give me, I'm here to tell you there is a God that will lead you and guide you every step of your life. You are not on this alone. You're not on your journey alone. It is not something you say, but I want to do it and I want to do it and I want to do it and I and I and I. Let Christ be formed in you. Until you can say, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Go back to our slides. Here we are. Uh, Abraham uh, says, who is the father of Abraham, the father of um, the Hebrews, had a son, this miraculous birth. In Genesis, the 21st chapter, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said unto Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age. At the set time, the exact time at which God had spoken to him, and Abraham <coughs> circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. The ceremony of circumcision. For the Jews, it's called a Brit. It's considered the first covenant that was ever made between God and the children of Israel. It was given as a symbol to Abraham, circumcised Isaac, and of course Jacob, Esau, their children, their descendants. Jesus was submitted to that same Circumcision. The Bible says in Luke, the 12th, the second chapter, and the 21st verse, it says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her, when the days of her were accomplished, and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This very ritual of circumcision that was done in Jerusalem was establishing a covenant that now Jesus was part of the covenant people. He had been circumcised. He had had this ritual performed on the eighth day. It was meant, it was like a symbol of the covenant. Jesus was born as a Jew. He lived as a Jew and he died as a Jew. In this whole act of circumcision. Now, What's amazing that happened in this story and it made it to the Gospels was when they brought Jesus in, there was an old gentleman there by the name of Simeon. And when we know what Simeon said, the Bible says he was just and devout, waiting for the consolation or the redemption of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should 
not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do after the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thine word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Wow, an amazing testimony which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Notice, he knew immediately this was a man that was going to open the light to the Gentiles that the glory of the people of Israel, that Joseph and his mother uh, were marveled at those things that were spoken and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, behold this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign that shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, and that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Could stop right there and preach a long time. I want to tell you something. When you get the hold of the covenant, yes. the Lord is interested in piercing into your very inside. I'm sorry, this is not just, well, I'm a member of the Kiwanis Club or the, or the Heart Association or the or whatever it is, motorcycle. It's not an outward membership only. When God wants to be born in Christmas time in your life, he wants it to, a sword, the sword, what is the greatest sword of the Spirit? is supposed to do something under the thoughts and hearts and emotions. And you say, well, I just want to have God in a box and go on Sunday morning and not worry about it. I'm telling you, that's not what the covenant God wants. He wants something that'll pierce into your thoughts, into your heart, into your mind, and work on every aspect of your life. You say, well, I want Jesus, but I don't want all of that. This is all this comes with him. If you really want the Christmas story, all of this is part of the package deal. And the circumcision was part of it. And, and oh, you say, well, I, I, I don't want my soul pierced. I want to be able to kind of have my own private little world and do my own private little thing and have my own private little, I, I'm sorry. Covenant God doesn't come for that. He wants to somehow get into your mind. He wants to get into your way of thinking. He wants to mess up everything you do. Every, he wants... Sorry. And immediately when he said those words and she was just blown away, then Anna, which means grace, all of a sudden Anna the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and she had lived, she was over her 80s. She was a widow of 84 years old. Had not departed from the temple. But served God through fastings and prayers night and day. When the covenant God comes on the scene, here were people, Simeon and Anna, for over 400 years, God had not spoken to the Jews. I'm not talking about a, a year. I'm not talking about nine months. 
I'm talking about over 400 years, no prophet had spoken a word about God. And yet they woke up and they served God and prayed and fasted and came to the temple looking for the consolation of Israel. That's how hungry they were. 84 years old, no visitation of the Holy Ghost, no special anointing, no shivers running up and down their spine, no run and shout and joyce and dance about, but just believing God. We want to be there when the covenant walks in the door. Oh, that kind of hunger. Oh, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. What are you saying? She was there fasting and praying and giving thanks and likewise unto the Lord. And she was looking, what does the Bible say? For the redemption in Jerusalem. I'm going to stop there. I know it's 11... 18, sorry. What are you saying? I'm saying if you want Christ to be born in you this Christmas, He will. But unfortunately, you're going to have to do some seeking yourself. You say, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to just sit here and wait and if the Lord wants me, He'll. No. Anna means grace. She would go to the temple every day and all of a sudden here came in a little baby eight days old carried by his mom and dad and this old man by the name of Simeon starts prophesying and says these words a sword is going to pierce your heart. He didn't even realize what he was saying. And the grace of Anna swept in, grabbed that little child, and began to rejoice. I doubt very seriously she was at the cross. I doubt very seriously she lived another 33 years. I doubt very seriously whether Simeon was at the cross. But what I do know is something about the Christmas story they saw it just in its infancy. And here we are, 2020, talking about how bad this year is. Can't wait till 2021 because it's all going to be better next year. And we drive down the streets and we see the lights shining and we have lights here and we see the crash and somebody over here that's invested all kinds of money and blow up everything. I don't know. Their yard just springs up at night on 21st Street here. I don't know. If you haven't never seen it, go by and look at it. Got snowmen and globes and all of that. Bringing a little cheer, I guess. I don't know. Wanting to have something. When I'm here to tell you this morning, Christ wants to be born in your life. He wants to be God of your heart. Now, we'll talk about <clears throat> what this circumcision means because Paul gets very candid about this whole circumcision thing later in Romans and third chapter and second chapter and seventh chapter. 
He says, you want to be a part of the covenant? He's not a Jew who's one outwardly, but one who's been circumcised in here. You see, that's what Christmas brings. The power to be part of the covenant people. It doesn't matter whether you're originally from Malaysia, Sister Connie, or whether you're originally from the South, like Baton Rouge, or the North, like Minnesota, or from Nurkahaya, we can be part of the covenant. Christmas can be born in us. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Be born in